You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 29th of April, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And it's been a uh, controversial week in the in the in the uh, search industry. Um, actually, the real series of the controversy is mostly started last night and today, but they're on full fly and they're going to be a great deal of fun to play with. So, Dave, how you doing today, man? I am. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I know you. You. You know, but uh, feeling a little bit like uh, like a, in in a few months, I'll be neo and a little bit bulletproof. Got my uh, got my vaccination there last Monday, so super Terrific. super stoked to be on my way uh, in that direction anyway. And I know uh, there was a story floating around that marketers are expecting to uh, be doing in-person conferences early in uh, 2022. And I'm like, this is, you know, at least part of that journey to making that statistic being right. And I hope to be among them and finally get to see so many of my friends again. Completely within the realm of possibility. If, uh, if enough people get vaccinated and uh, variants don't run out of control um, and we are all, and you know, we continue with what is actually, I think, and arguably been very good luck in developing vaccines and getting them, suddenly getting them into people's arms once we actually had a hold of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as that luck holds. But then you, you know, see stories like what's happening in India right now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, 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 not only does your heart break, but your blood chills when you just terrifying you can get if another variant of the disease uh, uh, takes off and gets out of control. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, incidentally, India, where, where we, Webcology has a, has a sizable listening audience, um, had a very good run with its first wave, much like Canada. It, uh, you know, had a good deal of social buy-in to distancing and masking and all that sort of stuff. But, its second wave, which is 
uh, propelled by a variant um, that seems unique to India or was unique to India um, is is just terrifying. Yeah. So if we're lucky <laughs> enough to, 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 to for that not to happen to us, then yeah, 2022 travel, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going back on the circuit because I'm, absolutely. Yeah, it'll probably be one of the, the biggest, and I'm sure Brett's kind of waiting for it, one of the biggest pub cons, I think, that'll have been held um, will be the first one in Vegas after uh, after we can all uh, all start traveling again, especially uh, the international travelers. So uh, Probably. Actually, probably. Uh, can you imagine all the, uh, the hundreds of gajillions of pitches? Oh that, yeah, that thing. And in fact, if uh, if Brett needs anyone to help clear those pitches, um, you know, I'll volunteer. Right. <laughs> as long as I get a speaking spot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, neat story that came up uh, that came up earlier this week about um, how Google knows uh, who's who. There's been uh, so much talk about how Google would uh, would be able to identify authors, uh, most mostly because of. Um, the acronym EAT, um, XP's authority and trustworthiness, and now, of course, because of uh, the uh, 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 review algo update, product review algo update. Um, what do you think? That, that's reconciliation. What a way to do it. Yeah, you're uh, you're referring to their their announcement and the article um, over at uh, Search Engine Journal, the how Google knows which content belongs to the the same author. The, yeah, uh, published uh, April twenty sixth, yeah. so back yeah. on Monday by uh, by Matt Southern. Yeah, and it's 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 a good piece, but it, it was funny. I I sent it out on Twitter, going uh, basically, and a bunch of, pardon my language, and and sorry, Brasca, if you need to clear this, a bunch of asshats, um, you know, trying to mimic authorship using some of the strategies that John had outlined is how they connect the dots. Um, you know, coming in three, two, right. I mean, you know, this is going to happen. Like it, back when I was like a, a sort of, you know, dark gray hat, you know, we're on black hat affiliate marketer. I would have been looking at something like this going, Oh, okay. So I just need to write some really good quality content in my niche, find an authoritative person in my niche, make sure that that content sounds like they write link to their profiles, just like they're saying to do, make sure it's at minimum to their Twitter profile, to make sure we're connecting the dots and try and confuse Google into thinking that I actually have that author um, working on my blog. Could uh, do that. Yeah. But you'd probably get caught out eventually by Google through their oh, yeah, yeah, reconciliation yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what they're talking about is, um, I think John Mueller kind of uh, looked at the world and said, well, do you actually realize the power of Google? Google's got information on everything. It knows where the links are buried. Um, it knows what links to what and what profile. I'm on. And even, even um, you, you can't hide a connection from Google. It will find it. And so the way Google figures out... Uh, authorship is there is probably a link to it <laughs> um so if you wrote something you've probably put it up on social you've probably got an author bio somewhere your author author bio probably links to a um a, a unique but regular set of other pages much like a, a fingerprint has a unique but regular set of, of groups um google has so many ways of identifying a um particular author 
But as, as with consistency, which is another thing John Mueller spoke to uh, earlier this week, um, Google's advising people, give us one meta signal that is, that is constant and solid and always link back to it for best results. And that's what Dave's getting at about um, uh, pretending to write like an author and then linking back to uh, her or his uh, uh, profiles. Well, indeed. And I mean, you get into this authorship schema with a few same as's that are consistent with their metrics. And you're right, like you will get buried eventually. But I, it's, it's one of those strategies that I could see working um, in the short term. You would probably get some pretty strong results quickly if Google was basing everything on authorship. Yeah, well, in, in, indeed. And I mean, we're, we're getting outside of overall domain authority. Like if you have a crap domain, they're going to figure out pretty fast. Um, that that author with a bunch of like expertise, authority, and trustworthiness is probably not writing for your crappy blog, um, <laughs> you know, that has a bunch of crap content except for like these couple pieces. Um, you know, it, it's not like going to be some magic bullet, but um, at scale it could work. But then, you know, to to a counterpoint to that, if you've actually just got genuinely good content in a large quality, maybe you should be building up your own authorship and not trying to like piggyback off somebody else's because you've already got the foundation of what you're going to need to rank properly anyway. And indeed, if you're writing with authority and with expertise, you will, you will use certain phrases and write in a certain manner that expresses your authority and expertise. Yeah. You, you, if the, the, in any given field, you simply can't help it. There is a, a, a language that goes with um, anything. Google knows that language. Google knows the language of um, interior design far better than I ever will because I'm not an interior designer and I couldn't fake it if I tried. Um, but Google's AI probably could. Right. Valid point. So that was neat. I think that's I think that's a very cool reveal um, into uh, how Google puts all this together. It's true. We I think we all sort of thought that like they they put out the authorship, then they took it back. We all kind of knew that okay, they they figured out what they needed to know. Like they obviously want to automate everything. They don't want to rely on us pesky SEOs and site owners to actually put all the right tags on things. They they want to learn from it. Um, so I think we all kind of knew that they were figuring out what sort of architectures work together. This is the first time I've heard them come out and go, and here's how that worked, right? Like, and, and, and here's, here's what we're, we're extrapolating from that. Clearly they're not, you know, showing their hand, right? They sort of tipped and gone, I'm not showing you the card. I'm showing you one of them's red, right? But I'm not showing you all my five cards. I'm showing you one of them happens to be red. Um, so they're, they're not really tipping their hand, but they, they are, they've given more than I think, they Maybe will. they should have, or it might just be John going, all right, we got some systems in place to watch what people try and do with this. And we're just going to like <laughs> next Christmas um, at, at the Christmas party, we're going to like go through in a PowerPoint, all of the crap that people tried to do based on this half information that I gave them. I bet you um, this is, this is absolute pure speculation on mine and Dave's part, but I would bet you they do have bets. <laughs> you know, they get, they get together, like you said, at their proverbial Christmas party or uh, their, it's uh, January 3rd and we're billionaires party or whatever party they have, because who knows, <laughs> they can. Um, and to borrow a phrase from, from, from Google, reconcile their, um, their bets against uh, what dumbass stuff SEOs will do or say based on the, the merest of hints. 
Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a great a great party game. Got to think of it. Yeah, they should live stream that. It would just be hilarious for us to watch us get put in our place. <laughs> well, for instance, speaking of the dumbass things <laughs> SEOs might do or say, just based on you know the broadest of hints given by by Google or by um, messiahs in their own industry. Um, there's been a debate about uh, domain authority. Um, a metric that has no face value to Google whatsoever, um, but is apparently valued very heavily by by brands and corporations because it's a metric that um, serves as a substitute uh, for, for 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 visible page rank. Yeah. Uh, well, did you? I mean, did you see the argument that that, that that came up and how it came up? It was it's a neat little story. I think that reveals quite a bit about our industry. Okay, so take us through it. Okay, so um, and I'm getting this from a from a from a Barry Schwartz uh, piece. I think that was published on Monday. In Good, we got his name table. Two birds. Um, yep. And uh, so a blogger writes um, to John Mueller asking, "How does she get her domain authority up?" Mueller looks at it and sort of goes, "Domain authority? What?" There's no such thing. Okay, domain authority doesn't count. Google doesn't care. There's no domain authority. And Google impressing about how domain authority is nothing except DA, which is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Just to prove, to hammer the point home. She writes back, you know what? It might be meaningless to Google, but brands, for brands, it's everything. They won't consider any other um, stat I might give them unless I have a strong enough domain authority. Other bloggers get into the conversation and say, you know what? She's right. Um, they won't listen to us unless we have a strong domain authority that we can show them and, and, and prove to them. There's only one way to prove your domain authority. That's because Moz said so. Because <laughs> domain authority is a Moz um, metric that by its own admission, because Dr. Pete, Pete Myers, the... Um, head chief mad scientist and technologist at Moz um, pipes in and says, you know what? We never meant domain authority to be used the way it's being used. But ever since Google got rid of the visible green bar um, that, that, that displayed page rank, it substituted as uh, as page rank and that's not what we meant it for. So that's where it's at now. It was a monstrous mistake. Um, Moz made the mistake and didn't stop it because it was, you know, it was a mistake <laughs> to have. Because um, let's face it, like, if you're the only one who measures this all important metric, then people got to buy your product, right? That makes sense. Right. Even if that metric isn't so all important, but it is because it's the metric that corporations use to decide the value of any given. Um, blog space or blogger. Weird, huh? Now, what do you think about that metric? Yeah, I I, I look at DA, right? Like I, I I'm gonna go. I look at DA on on a site. I look at Majestic's rating. I look at Ahrefs rating. I look at Russia's rating, right? I mean, it, you look at at all of these things, but we all need to understand one thing that they count the same as. Total linking domains counts. It can, or the total number of broken links on your site 
might count as, as a thing to look at. It tells you where to start your investigation. And I think that's what, what gets missed is, yeah, you can look at DA. And if I see a consistency among all of the different link tools and how they're valuing a site, I'll go, okay, now I know how I'm going to look at their backlink profile. I know how I'm going to look at their social profiles to try and understand, is this actually a, a valuable um, you know, sort of partnership or link to pursuer or whatever type of engagement I might be looking at, or just client. But I think to your point and to the point of this piece is where it goes wrong is when people go, DA is a metric to look at. No, DA is a starting point, just like your overarching crawl data and whichever your favorite tool might be, that, that report that goes, here's how many errors we found and here's what kind they were. They're not meant to tell you this is how healthy your site is. It's meant to go, here's your starting point. Some of this applies to you. Some of it doesn't because we've crawled your, same, your site with the same rules we crawled Wikipedia, right? Like, <laughs> these are these are fundamentally different things. The technologies are different, but it's a starting spot to begin your investigation. I think that's where it goes down. But because people are lazy and people got accustomed to this green bar, um, you know, all of a sudden you know, they they want this quick number. I've engaged in in relationships and, and pursued engagements as as a link strategy with companies with with under twenty DA. When I see other metrics that their link growth is, is solid, that might be a new company, but their social engagement is off the charts, out of the gate. They're doing really, really well. They're doing some strong stuff. And I can see the links and they're coming from Chatelaine or they're coming, you know, they're coming from, from strong brands that are actually just finding their, the quality of their content useful. Good. This is what I want to see, not this, this DA metric. See, you can't just look at that. You need to look at an aggregate set of data. In that case, I've often found them because I'm looking, I'm actually I tend to be more interested in their social metrics than I am with, with any of the DA or, or referring domain metrics. I want to see how they're engaging um, with their audience and what kind of content they're producing. Cause that tells me if they're going to be a good fit for, for clients um, in content and whether we're going to get whatever as a, as a boost to any SEO value, are we probably going to get some traffic when they share it out socially, right? Are they also sort of like micro influencers in that niche as bloggers, not as, as a micro influencer per se, but as, as the blogger. And anyway, there's so much to look at. DA is worth looking at, glance at it, but begin your journey there. Don't end it. You know, you know, you know what we got to do? We got to get somebody from Moz on to, to, to talk about DA, its evolution, um, link building and, and how, and how all that evolved uh, over time. And uh, I think I, we should get on that. I think. I think we should. <laughs> okay. We should get off this story because we have time for no more before we go to break. We actually, we got to take a break right about now. I got a, we got a couple of big stories coming up uh, directly after break. So on behalf of Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing, he's a chip manager from Digital, Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the 29th of April, 2021. Stick around. We've got more great content after these messages. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com.
Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WMR.FM. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web College and WMR.FM. It's the 29th of April, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beatsock Internet Marketing. And I can't do this much longer, man. My voice is killing me. Oh my goodness. I'm going to, I'm just going to go gravel. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to hide it. It hurts too much. Um, Canada. I, okay. Sometimes uh, listeners might um, be excused for thinking that uh, we sometimes adopt a sky is falling stance on some issues that have to do with internet regulation because often because many of the people regulating the internet don't fully understand the implications of their intentions. Um, this may well be one of the times, but it's worth the warning. People should understand this is happening. Um, this isn't happening in America. It's happening in Canada. And it might seem like uh, one of those, it's not a big deal things because it's happening in, in another country up, up in Canada. But Canada's the first major developed country to suggest that its government has the ability, the right, and the duty to fully regulate the internet. I'm not overstating the case. Canada's uh, government, uh, Justin Trudeau's liberal government, is um, debating a bill C-10 which is described as a full-blown assault on free speech online. It started as a way to ensure Canadian content uh, continued to be shown on Canadian screens, but it's turned into a hybrid monster that's grown bigger than the government grasps it to be. Uh, Canada's government literally intends to regulate all digital content that emulates TV or radio broadcast. So if it moves or it speaks online, the government wants to have its say over its existence. This stems from a traditional set of laws Canada has called Canada CanCon laws. And they grew out of our unique situation of being a tiny group of very creative people living beside a much larger group of very, very, very loudly creative people and our culture naturally is assumed by American culture that applied to songs on the radio, uh, 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 programs on television, I think 30% had to be uh, somehow made, manufactured, um, uh, or written in, in, in Canada, it had to be uh, quote unquote Canadian content. 
the internet is a very different place than broadcast media. It moves much faster. And the bill, C-10, which is really well described in today's National Post, if anybody uh, reads uh, Canada's National Post, um, uh, also in today's Globe and Mail. And I think it's really worth, it is worth understanding what Canada's government is trying to do, especially if you live in, say, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and dare I say it, in America. Though it would obviously be much harder for Americans, for American uh, governments to regulate speech on the, on the web. In Canada, they just have to slice a pen and it's done. Anyway, Dave, have you seen this yet? Were you aware of it until now? I hadn't until you had um, shared it earlier. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, you know, my, my take on these, these sorts of issues. Like I'm, I'm not a government should stay, you know, out of everything kind of person, but I am the government should not regulate my speech until I cross a very, very small list of lines. <laughs> a very small like where i'm endangering other people in a substantial way um that's that's about it and so obviously i find these sorts of things very alarming um, and a dramatic overreach um well, here's of, an example of, of something that could easily been uh, fallen under um this 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 law uh earlier this week joe rogan um on, on his Spotify podcast, uh, distributed a great deal of erroneous anti-vaccination information. In doing that, he would he has put um, thousands of lives of danger, given his younger and decidedly skewing right-wing audience. Um, that in Canada could easily be um, dealt with, I guess, censored, um, removed from the internet. That file could be removed from the internet by the government under C-10. Mm -hmm. um, and on one side, yay! On the other side, oh my god. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> too much power for the government. It's like, a sword that cuts both ways, eh? And that's that's the, the real point here, right? Like, you might like it in the instance that you think about, and we all do. Like, right, left, everybody. We, we all don't see censorship when it's like, because it's just logical when it's the opinion we don't like, right? It's just like, well, that's of course, like, of course you're making a law about that yeah. one or, or you're freeing that one out, um, you know, but when it happens to you, it is. And, you know, you have the foresight, you know, looking at that to go, yeah, while I agree with it, like, while I agree that I would like this gone, yeah. I don't want that to turn around and be, because governments change, I don't want that precedent to be set. No, I think um, when it's time for me to say something that may be less than popular in opinions um, towards, you know, whatever the common the common view might be. At that in, in, in the case of Joe Rogan, it's up to his sponsor, which happens to be Spotify, to take action. Right. Yeah. And it's up to Spotify's sponsor, which happens to be you, me, and the rest of the general public, right. to take action if you disagree with what Spotify is doing. If not, whatever. You know, right. and that's the whole point. Um, government doing it is especially again in the in the realm of the internet, where there is just how many seconds of or how many minutes per second of content gets uploaded to YouTube. 
Like I, I just, I remember, I think it was like 500 minutes per second or something. It sat in my mind. Um, how do you, how, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and making, making people criminals for expressing themselves. I don't know. It just, it's, uh, it's a hard one, even, even if it would be used in ways I might agree, like you said, sometimes it's a hard one to, to so Bill C-10, it is literally being debated in Canada's parliament right now. And, you know, if you're Canadian and you're worried about this, um, please weigh in. I'm sad to say that my party, the party that I tend to support, um, listeners can figure that one out for themselves, has said that they will support this because it could be used against hate speech. But again, it could be used against so much more. We've got to be so careful. This ain't. Uh, this is a bad path. Yeah, yeah, and that it is short-sighted. And I know the party, and <laughs> like obviously, and um, yeah, it's like it's all well and good when it's what you don't like. Yeah. Right. Okay. Bill C ten. Please learn about it. And um, again, if even if you're not in Canada, learn about it because your government might bring it to your to your jurisdiction. And mm -hmm. um, forewarned is. Uh, how does that? I don't know how that goes exactly, but forewarned is making it smarter. There you go. That's what George Bush used to say. Forewarned makes you smarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you want to go next? We got we got time for another another uh, fairly big. Story. Um. Okay. I'm looking for a, for a big. Well, I mean, we can we can talk about earnings reports. <laughs> what do you um, got? Who did what? <laughs> Who scored well, what? Um, Facebook's like they, they've all been coming out right now, right? Like all the all the, all the quarterly earnings reports have been have been filing out. Um, I mean, Facebook doubled their revenue. Uh, Microsoft Bing ads up seventeen percent, um, and Google um, ads again just just ads um, a thirty two percent lift, um, which they're now at. I'm making sure I'm working with the decimals here, right? 44.7 <laughs> billion <laughs> as opposed to 33.7, well, 33.8, if I'm going to round, um, you know, on, on the same time last year. So they're up very, very dramatically. So, um, you know, I mean, the, the pandemic seems to have hurt some people, but it certainly hasn't hurt online advertising. Well, I mean, think about this for a second. That's Google is up 33%, um, Bing, 17%, Facebook uh doubled its revenues like you remember at the beginning of the pandemic and moving moving i, I think probably until about november when all the seos and the organic folks were just rejoicing because like you know you couldn't pick up the phone or answer email without like making money somehow yeah or without somebody wanting services somehow yeah um I think it was when the vaccines and when promise of some sense of normality started to be established itself that advertisers started going, you know, we can quantify all this again, huh? <laughs> and started going back, looking back at at, at paid as a uh, 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 a more rational place to put their money. Because at the very beginning, nobody had any idea how to advertise, where to spend money or, or anything. But since we were in a shutdown, it's a good time to do all the stuff that we've been meaning to do, but never got around to, like SEO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> quick advice to advertisers, spend that money on, on paid ads, absolutely, because it works. Yeah. But don't let down on the SEO stuff, because it was working. <laughs> like, it had been working for you guys. You've been uh, great growth um, in organic. 
Um, yeah, don't stop that just because you can pay for it again. And I know we've got um, like one of our clients now. We we just handle their organic, not their not their paid, but they like internally deal with their paid very very well. I just sort of like, mm-hmm. I look at their campaign occasionally, but they they do very well. Um, and they have right now um, they're in a in a high a high point. Like the the, the pandemic has has served their business well, um, and, and yet they're still pushing incredibly hard on SEO. And while they could save money because they're having no problem with their inventory, like clearing their inventory out, um, they are maintaining their budget on paid search. Um, And part of that reason is the foresight to remarketing lists can work for a couple of years. So let's add all these people into our remarketing lists for next year. Even though we may not be able to actually have inventory for them this year, let's make sure we're still being proactive and aggressive to get not just the branding, but boost our remarketing lists so that next year when they're wanting our services again, um, we have a cheap inroads to them at a time when, when other advertisers in their niche are scaling back. The clicks are cheaper because they're going, we don't have inventory, so let's shrink back. Um, they've had the foresight to not, so they can build up their cheaper lists um, when the competition starts to, to to get fierce again in the coming years. That's pretty. That I'm wondering how those strategies are going to shift and pivot when more and more um, actors uh, start moving back into the uh, like lead gen is going to get a lot harder when you're working against ten competitors rather than three competitors. Right. Yeah, it, it very much is. And that is the, the foresight they have. I, I watch uh, Mary, who does a lot of, of paid social, um, do similar things where she'll push, and I'm sure a lot of social managers do this, um, you know, push heavily onto likes campaigns on very specific targeting because advertising to people that like your page is easier. Advertising to your followers is cheaper. So get them in on these like campaigns just to advertise to them cheaper later. Um, at a discount rate rather than going direct with your product, try and pull them into liking your page, which requires a lot of work on like making sure you have content they will um, engage with when you get there. But it's all that same sort of approach they're taking is while it's cheaper to get them in to our remarketing list now, let's do that so that when all these advertisers rejoin the race later, um, we can maybe even scale back, just keep our budget the same, but funnel more of that budget to their remarketing lists, which will be cheaper per click. Um, than trying to, um, you know, using a negative list of people who have been their customers, like who already actually purchased their services this year. You, know, you can use those as, as a negative and, and basically getting cheaper clicks later when the click costs are going to go back up, uh, which they will um, as more advertisers, to your point, as more advertisers enter the race, um, the click costs are going to go up. So make sure you're sort of hedging your bets and getting those costs dropped now if you can. Nevertheless, and then and again, I just want to want to go back to how we started this, this this story. Massive growth in the last quarter for advertisers. Yep. yep. Um, or, or for, for for I'm sorry for the advertising companies themselves for Google for Facebook for for Bing. That means that uh, in, in, remember last week um I mentioned six point eight percent growth in uh, reported by the United States. Um, mm-hmm. I was wrong. It was six point four percent which is staggering still. Um, and that's, you know, these, these, these increase, massive increases in ad spend in a time that everyone thought would be the beginning of a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, points that were going to go really fast the other direction. 
Well, and you know what I what I also find interesting about this statistic is you can't do that without traffic, without without sending traffic. And yet some people would be trying to convince us that most people are not clicking on search results, but clearly in this in this core data, we're seeing that more people are clicking through. Well, that is true. Absolutely. You know, I was going to introduce the story a different way. I was going to talk about the Blue Jays. And I'll tell you Darn. why. All right, let's do it. I'll tell you why, because I just found out the sad news that um, the Washington Nationals beat the Jays 8-2 to two yesterday clearly getting revenge for the drubbing the Blue Jays gave them the day before where they won nine to five. In fact, the Jays were on a whole hot streak for the longest time. And I found this out by going to Google and typing in um, Blue Jay scores. Yeah. And it didn't, I didn't have to click anything because it all just sort of unfolded on the screen in front of me because it doesn't really, I don't really have to click anything. I just want to go to the Jays score. So the controversy is, uh, is back again. Um, <laughs> the uh, zero click search studies uh, 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 controversy, and you can go both ways on this. So easy to go both ways on this because, in a weird way, both sides are right. Mm -hmm. um, but they're looking at completely different usage of a utility. So, um, I don't even know how to introduce this one. What do you, how, how, how do we introduce this? Is this is this Jeff's story's story, um, or the out of the story story? That's a good point. And you know what? We'll we'll right in the middle of it. We're probably going to have to take a commercial break, so we can we can cover half of this on on before the commercial and and, and half of it after. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you want to describe what the, the core of the story is that we're about to be talking about? Okay. Back in the summertime. Um, Rand, the CEO of uh, SparkToro, published um, a, a blog post about uh, suggesting that less than half half the searches at Google result in the click. Um, on one level, that might actually be true. On another, um, that may mm, not be true if you. I mean, I think it really depends on what is a search. <laughs> um, when Rand published this article, Google got its backup. And um, Danny Sullivan responded and a Twitter war ensued where basically both sides were demanding the other show their data for evidence. Um, the SEO community got involved, and there was a great deal of drama through the early autumn. It popped up again sometime in November and has popped up again today um, with an article in Search Engine Journal written by Jeff Ferguson, um, who has gotten tired of his client saying to him, uh, talking to him about zero clicks at Google. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jeff Ferguson wrote an article that got published about five hours ago at, uh, at Search Engine Journal. It's, 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 a, it's a fairly long, and as usual, it's a Jeff Ferguson article, so it, it, it's very, very detailed, okay? And he calls Rand by name. And that's where the drama starts happening, because, you know, Rand's got a lot of um, people who really like him, or Sam's got, got, a, got a big fan base. And, um, yeah, 
stuff happens. So I don't want to talk about any of that weird drama stuff. I mean, that's that that sort of frames the issue and sort of describes the uh, earthquake prone layer of thin ice that we're walking on talking about this sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, what do you what, what do you think about that? I hate to revisit this, but it's being revisited. What do you think of the whole controversy? Um, as far as as data goes, like just just looking at what Jeff wrote, mm-hmm. um, I, I think like we work with data. I mean, I mean, we as an industry, not just you and I, our entire listening audience, everybody who read the piece, um, who who actually went through this piece and read it, we all work with data. We rely on things like analytics. We rely on on these facts being right. So, mm-hmm. as far as the controversy goes, I find that silly. Um, I, I find it silly in that there shouldn't actually be a controversy per se. It should be, okay, we have two different data points, right? And we need to digest both to understand what is true or go, it doesn't matter what's true. Did I make more money this year than I did last year? Right? Like, <laughs> or we can actually just look at, you know, what, what is our traffic? What pages are coming in on what queries we're showing up for, whether we have the featured snippet or not, and whether we're making money, right? Like, what, what are we trying to, to pass on to our clients? So we can view this as a secondary topic or we can view it as a primary topic. As a primary topic, I think it's important that we see both sets of data. I, I was interested in what Rand wrote. I was interested in the data that it was based on. Uh, Jeff brings up some great, great points that I think are heavily worth listening to understanding the bias in there. I, I have many calls with clients when we're going over their analytics, when we're going over their ranking reports, when we're going over search console. And I almost always begin with all data is a lie. Like all of it, every piece of data you will look at is a lie and understanding how it's lying to you is crucial to making the right decisions. It just is. So Jeff's bringing up a great point and, and, and some great illustrations and not just going, it is wrong, but here's how it's wrong. Fantastic. So now look at Rand's data. Like, look at it. it. It's it's valid points, some of that data. And if it relates to your business, if you're a publisher, for example, it relates to your business. It's important. Now you understand how it's lying so you can put the right context on it or, or how it's flawed because all data is flawed. It's not an attack. It's all data is flawed. Analytics is a flawed view of your website traffic, even though it's a pixel firing on your site, right? It's a flawed view of, of, of your website traffic. Um, anybody who's ever had like bot traffic appear knows mm-hmm. it's a flawed view of your traffic, right? Like it's, it, it's, it's incredibly flawed. So this is how it is flawed. Take that in and go, okay, now it's not an attack on Rand. It's going with this data, you can make Rand's data even more useful because you can understand how it's skewed and understanding that skewing is where you'll get the real value in that. At least that's how I view it. Jeff had noted to maybe we should stop talking about it. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I think we can keep talking about it because if you are a publisher or something, it can be impactful, but you certainly can't take these numbers, anybody's numbers. And I'm sure even Jeff would say, even my numbers, you can't take any of them at face value because all of it is flawed in some way or another. And, and Jeff would be the first to say it. Rand would probably you know, state that too. Jeff just was a little clearer in his article um, that that was the case. Something I always tell my clients is your analytics is telling you stories. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to understand what the narrative is. An increase in visitors or in, in users, um, that could happen for any number of reasons. 
I had uh, a case where we couldn't figure out why there was a whole bunch of uh, massive data spike on one day. Why are these? And it all came from direct or organic. No other channel um, was up, only direct and organic. And uh, we puzzled over it. We banged our heads over it. We talked about it for like um, what seemed like hours on ends, but were actually probably just minutes. Um, <laughs> as it turned out, we, we, we had then called to apply it. And they were they were featured on uh, the shopping network, home shopping network. Oh. Right. I mean, great. I'd like to have known that ahead of time, though. Um, with with that piece of knowledge, I'm able to fill in the narrative on that data. Without it, I'm making guesses. Right. That data is crap until you actually know. Um, and until you really have, until you actually know for sure that you know for sure, you don't actually know. Um. I was going to leave this segment with uh, with bragging about how good the Toronto Blue Jays are doing by doing a no-click search at Google on uh, Blue Jay scores. And then I thought about my partner, uh, Shauna, who um, is using her Google Home device all day long mm-hmm. to ask questions, do searches, um, find out stuff for articles and reviews that she's writing, um, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are no-click searches. Right. And you're going to see a lot more of those. People speak to their phone. That's a no-click search. You're going to see a lot more of those. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean that Google's misdirecting traffic, which I think was was where if Rand wasn't saying that, Google thought Rand was saying that and got all butthurt. Right. Well, and one thing I find funny about that, because it, it happens in, in my office all the time, where... You want to see skewing of data. Just to give an example of, and here's how the data gets really, really ugly. I will send a command. My intent is to send a request to my Google Home. Do it all the time. I'm constantly asking my Google Home. And often, too often, it's really embarrassingly often, I haven't looked around to see what's about to happen. I will get a response back from my Google Home, the one sitting on Mary's desk, Mary's phone, and my phone, all simultaneously. So that's Four queries now <laughs> that have been sent to Google where multiple devices are all responding, right? Because mm-hmm. it's 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 all just me, but but I'm producing multiple queries at the same time by accident. How does that get counted? How's that how, how is that accounted for? Exactly, exactly. Are they smart enough to go, okay, Dave's an idiot? Um, I mean, I'm sure they're well, well I mean, Google decided that. that long ago, dude. <laughs> Fair but enough. in this instance. In this, yeah, in this application, are they going, this version of Dave is even stupider than we thought, um, and not looking around to see, do I have my phone at my desk at the same time? Um, you know, th- those sorts of things. So it, it is going to be an interesting time heading forward as we watch this data consolidate. And and in that case, Google might be smart enough because they'd go, okay, at least two of these devices are logged in under the same user and the same command is coming in at the same time. No, I'm, like, sure, I'm sure one gets filtered out. One takes yeah, that, that one would make sense. But how about Mary's phone sitting next to me? And that happens often because I'll be you know, sitting at a park with her or whatever and, and make a voice command. And there it is. Jeez. Uh, next time I get your home device to order a sofa for you, we're going to have to count for Mary's phone too. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We're going to have multiples. Get your whole living room set. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that, we re- oh my goodness, we absolutely got to take a break. On behalf of James Davies from Peace on Internet Marketing, it's Jim Edge from Digital Always Media. We have gone way over time here on Webcology on WMR.fm on the 29th, April 2021. Stick around. We got a whole burst of content right after these messages.
Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 29th of April. Hey, everybody. Sorry for a, a slight uh, slight technical hiccup there. And as you know, it was uh, it got a little stuttery. Jim's going to be joining us here in a uh, second. Um, something that I just want to um, mention, just one of the, the stories that we're going to need to cover here, um, is a there, there's actually a method, and I'm going to suggest it to head over to, well, I think all the, the major publishers are covering it, but Search Engine Roundtable, Barry Schwartz, just to mention his name again, um, <laughs> to, to get it on the show, um, that does cover it as well. If you're having search indexing issues, um, there's a great story over there. Google has methods for um, actually submitting um, an indexing issue. I, I had a client with a whack of these uh, in indexing problems uh, about a year ago, and, and I'm sad that they've just launched this, but there we go. Better late than never, and maybe me ranting and submitting complaints often enough was part of their reasoning for doing that. Um, anyways, welcome back, Jim. How do I? Thank you so much. Um, I have no idea what happened there or how long I was talking to myself. How do I, how, if listeners had something to report, how do they get to the tool or to the form? Um, they've actually got like, if you go over to the search engine round table, um, like it's from earlier today story, it's right up at the top is, is a link um, straight through um, to the announcement on Twitter and, and also through to um, the form to submit it. So Google Complaint Central, huh? Yeah, um, I, I feel Dear sorry Google, for them. I'm a systems analyst, and this system sucks. Um, oh, and you know what? Something I'm just going to note but because we're, so we're at, a, at, a, at, a, at a segue point. Mary just dropped a note on my desk here, and we're going to wish a happy birthday to Patrick Stocks, who is like one of my, uh, oh, yeah, your good friend and mine. Um, so just a big happy birthday to Patrick. Thank you. I had a piece of for reminding me. I'm glad we didn't forget that. <laughs> Um, all right. I think we have time for maybe one short story. Is there anything you want to make sure that we cover this week? I don't know if consistency. Again, this is amazing. I hate Zoom. <laughs> Especially when I come back in the middle of complaining about it. I can hear you just fine. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, 
try to get this one in again because I think it's really important. Um, John Mueller was writing about consistency in URLs. Um, if you uh, have a training, wondering about having a training slash at the end of your URL or not, don't worry about it. Um, do it, don't do it, but whatever you do, do it consistently. Training, uh, if you love training slashes, always use them. If you don't love training slashes, never use them. Google the same thing over and over and over again, or it might get confused. Yeah, I think you could just make that a mantra for technical SEO. More important than any individual factor is consistency, unless you're consistently horrible. But other than that one thing, consistency <laughs> um, is, is, is a major key. Well, it's important. You're, these Every signal you send is, um, for want of a better phrase, a signal you're sending. Um, so if you want Google to understand what you're trying to say, remember, Google's a machine. Repetition works well with machines because that's what they're built to do. Yep. So give it, give it something in the way it wishes to absorb it. And consistency is, because uh, if you don't, Google will think it's two different things. Well, and I mean, something else that I found with, with consistency, because there are times where I sort of force a consistency, much to the chagrin of some developers I work with, that might be theoretically yeah. unnecessary. But here, here's something I find as a benefit to consistency, other than just the obvious now Google sees consistency, is if you are consistent, there is no room, there is less room for human error. If you have gone, it is always yeah. like this then there is less room for a future developer who might not know what you're trying to accomplish in something, uh, might copy one of the two ways something is done incorrectly into a new area, right? Like if you have two things being done uh, and you take part from one and you transplant it into another, you can do some damage. Um, so it, it just helps avoid human error as well. Absolutely. Okay, and as long as I'm not uh, frozen yet, I'm going to take us out because we've gone full clock. Uh, friends, you have been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the uh, 29th of April, 2021. The crisis is ongoing. Even if you've been vaccinated once, you're not fully protected. You need to continue wearing a mask. You need to continue distancing from people. You need to continue taking COVID really seriously because it and uh, its variants are uh, debilitating and killing people still, especially in, in my city, Toronto, we're currently overwhelmed, much like Italy and New York were earlier uh, in, in 2020, and it's terrifying. Be safe, uh, work hard, uh, 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 rank well, and uh, be kind to each other. We'll talk to you next week. Opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. <laughs> <laughs>